Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about reality TV dating crossovers and very, very dramatic podcasts. It's 2023 and we are ready to ease back into Bachelor Nation with some light gossip and pointed media criticism before we turn our attention to the upcoming Bachelor season. I I honestly, I needed this transition period. Yeah, I kind of like it. Like, we normally dive right back into The Bachelor as soon as January starts. And now we're sort of like dabbling our toes in. We're slowly immersing up to the ankle and then the shin. And by January 23rd, (laughs) I think I'm going to be ready. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, And I like to be able to have this episode where we just catch up with all the news we missed While we were celebrating the holidays. Yeah, I personally was trying not to pay attention to what anyone was doing for the holidays while I was. I basically kept forgetting where my phone was in the house and many hours (laughs) between looking at it. It was amazing. Um, But I'm ready. I caught up. I dug back through and... A lot of stuff happened. A lot yeah. of a lot of our Bachelor Nation people are taking steps forward in their lives. They're dating. They're having babies. They're getting engaged. They're getting married. Let's do kind of a rapid fire. Go through all of the little updates in people's relationship statuses yeah. that happened over the last couple months. Yeah. New Year's Eve was a big evening for bachelor (laughs) gossip i guess everyone loves to take that opportunity to like go out with a new flame and post photos of them together or to like hard launch a boyfriend or a baby and so a lot of stuff happened around new year's specifically one of the big items katie thurston was seen out partying on new year's eve with nick ullenhuth not sure if I'm saying that correctly. 
But for fans of The Circle... Big Daddy Nick from season three of Netflix's The Circle. This was big for me personally, um, as someone who has recently really gotten back into The Circle and really liked Nick's season of The Circle. Yeah, I think season three was the last one I watched before I was like, I don't think I can watch any more seasons of a show about people trying to become popular within a tiny... (laughs) isolated social network. I was like, I can't believe I've watched this much of it already. And yet I did really watch and enjoy season three before I hit my limit. And Nick was one of the sort of main alliance leaders. He was a big personality on the show. He was... He made it to the final round. Yeah. He didn't end up coming in very high in the ratings in the end, but I think partly because he was such a power player, uh, people didn't want him to beat them. So he didn't you know, their strategy involved. But he was a big player on season three of The Circle, and now he has bobbed back up in our lives because he was pictured with Katie both in her New Year's Eve carousel on Instagram and in his. He actually had, like, five photos with her in his grid. There also was a photo that the Bachelor Whatever account posted of them kissing. Yeah, they did not post it, but it's out there. It's out there. I'm going to say that is an indication that these two are at least hooking up. And yeah, I I love it. I'm here for it. Me too. I like this for Katie. I think that this is fun relationship for her to be in outside of Bachelor Nation, but like still has that little bit of news appeal. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. She's always like, I'm done with Bachelor Nation. <laughs> like, I'm never dating a Bachelor guy again. But the circle, that's a whole different thing. I mean, it is. It's different. <laughs> it's different, Claire. <laughs> They're both really cute. And so I like this for both of them. I love a good crossover story. Yeah. Just dig deep into that reality TV soup and find a boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, they both have a sort of irreverent comic personality Mm -hmm. on their respective shows. I think that I could see them having a good time together. I don't know that what they're exactly they're doing here, though. Like, this does seem to me like a weird in between being seen together but not posting anything and being like I'm dating this person hard launch like they're they're hanging out they're like intentionally they're posting sort of coupley photos of them together but nothing that's definitely a couple it's like here's the two of us like on the dance floor but we're not like holding each other or kissing you know what I mean so it's almost because like, it's more fun to give us stuff right. to gossip about and wonder about and talk about and I I respect it. Right. So I'm also like, is are they playing it up by including each other in their carousels mm. in order to get the buzz going, in order to capitalize on each other's audiences? Or are they really quite genuinely dating and this is just the beginning of a slow reveal? And she's not the only person who, from Bachelor Nation, who went out on New Year's Eve with someone from another reality TV franchise that no one expected to see them spending New Year's Eve with. In Tyler Cameron's case, it was Kristen Cavallari. Oh, yeah. They were with Jason Tardick and Caitlin Bristow. And they have been, like, lightly hanging out for a while. They met early in 2022. He was on The Real Dirty Dancing, this weird (laughs) reality competition show in which everyone, I guess, had to learn how to do the dirty dancing dances and compete. 
And after he uh, was like runner up in, in the show, he appeared on an E! News segment that she was hosting or co-hosting uh, for an interview about the show. And that's when they met. Um, she was a journalist, you know, just like asking him the tough questions. And next thing you know, she's asking him to appear with her in a very sexy photo shoot and video shoot to promote the jewelry line for her brand, Uncommon James. <laughs> I can barely like wrap my mouth around all those things. I had seen little clips of this video and I fully just thought she was also on the real Dirty Dancing. Like, this is how little <laughs> I've tuned in to this story. I just filled in the blanks in my head, but okay, this makes sense. The real yeah. Dirty Dancing facilitated their meeting in a sense. Yes. I guess that's why I had connected the two in my head. And yeah, they had sort of been seen together occasionally over the months, but like nothing that was explicitly romantic and nothing that really confirmed that they were dating at all. Yeah, I think that the the photo the the photo and video shoot they were in for Uncommon James, it was like wedding themed. It was very sexy. There was like kissing and like a bed in a desert and they're like rolling around on the bed. And so I think a lot of their fans start to be like, oh, you guys have chemistry. Like, are you actually dating? And they've just kind of let that be out there. They've never really denied that they're involved in some romantic sense. I think Kristen has denied that they are together together. She's like, when I'm with someone, you'll know. I'll be telling everyone. But she wasn't like, oh, definitely just platonic with Tyler. So they've kind of let that be out there. They were seen having lunch together also before this New Year's Eve party that same day or weekend, I think. And then, yeah, they were out partying with the Tardic Bristos. And I could see them having a really mutually beneficial and sexy, like, hookup, for sure. Oh, yeah. But it could also just be mutually beneficial if there was no romance involved. And they're just like, we're both hot. We both have fandoms. And we're both hanging out. And it's going to stir up interest in whether we're a thing. And that's fine. I see what they're doing either way. And I'm, I'm into it. He's really just, like, either dating a model or he's out here being like, how can I stay in the mix? Like, am I going to have a feud with Rachel Kirkconnell? Am I going to be linked in some way to an even more famous reality star than me? Like, what, whatever it takes, I'm out there or I'm dating a model. And he somehow just does it with, <laughs> with such finesse every time. Like, you think you've forgotten about him and you haven't. Yeah, he won't back. let that happen. <laughs> no, he will not. He certainly will not. Frankly, I ship these two, even if it's a fake relationship for PR. Just go for it, guys. I like it. You know, having seen just a few clips of... The situation that, oh my God, who was she married to? This is so embarrassing. She's married to that football oh, player. Oh, Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. Having seen just a few clips from her reality show with Jay I Cutler. I did watch it. Of like, <laughs> what, an un- what a miserable bum he seemed like to be around. I would love for her to post-divorce. Just have a really fun time with Tyler Cameron for however long it's working for them. With just like a really hot man. And this is why people are rooting for this, to be real. To go from Jay Cutler to this, I mean, you deserve it. You deserve it. (laughs) Another relationship that was truly launched around New Year's. Teddy Wright. Teddy has a new boyfriend. And she posted a New Year's reel 
of them kissing and embracing intercut with some early videos of her crying, looking very down. She made it through. She's found love. She's telling the story of her year. She's like, remember how I had such a hard time on The Bachelor and then an even worse time on Bachelor in Paradise. And I was crying and doubting myself. And look at me now. I have this handsome boyfriend whose name we do not know. He's anonymous. We don't know, but he's very cute, very handsome. And, you know, that's how it goes. That's how it goes, ladies. You suffer and suffer and suffer. And eventually you are rewarded with just a, a man, a um, a straight man. Just a man. An, a <laughs> generic man. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand that, like, people don't always want to subject their partners to the full microscope of Bachelor Nation. But it always is a little funny to me when there's, like, a hard launch. Like, here's my boyfriend. We're kissing. Here's his face. But I'm not going to tell you who he is. <laughs> and you're like, this is not the hardest hard launch. Well, that means there's just more to reveal. You get to dole it out in little pieces. There's so little that you can control when you are a reality star on social media. So, you know, give us a little breadcrumbs. Maybe we'll get a tag eventually. She'd already teased this a few days before. She did it like an AMA on, on her stories. And then she posted a final slide that was like, and I've been up to more things. Maybe I'll tell you all soon. And you can see the back of the slide is a photo of her in the mirror with a man's like burly arm around her waist in a romantic clinch. And you're like, oh, so, so that's I think what I have a sense of what she's been up to. <laughs> she's she's leaving this trail. Nice to see her having fun. Also uh, rough for, for Andrew, who has throughout his... Uh, his post-BIP media tour has been like, I'd still love to make things work with Teddy one day if I see her out there. And she's just like, sorry, I have been carefully crafting this this uh, reveal of my hot boyfriend. I think Andrew's going to be okay. I'm not really worried about yeah. him, just uh, <laughs> the juxtaposition. Uh, let's talk about a pretty, I think this is the most, uh, the one that took me the most aback. In oh, terms same. of the gossip items <laughs> this week. <laughs> this one, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. What I, is happening here? Everyone in Bachelor Nation collectively was like, wait, wait, what's happening here? How, how did I this I still come don't pass? really understand. <laughs> so we're talking about how Aubrey O'Day posted a video of herself hanging out with Jordan Vandergriff and Avon Jones of the Gachel season of The Bachelorette. And... She's just, like, going on and on about how Avon is the most handsome man in the world, and she just loves him, and she wants to have all his babies. And it's like, did you run into each other? Are you having a platonic group hang? Yeah, like, why are you You dating? (laughs) Like, how? (laughs) For anyone who needs a refresher on Aubrey O'Day, she's a former pop star. She was part of Danity Kane. And... Most recently, in my recollection, she was in the public eye because it came out that she had an affair with Donald Trump Jr. Ugh. Aubrey. Aubrey. Don't, come on. (sighs) She's also been in a lot of reality TV shows, which is, I assume, why she met Jordan and Avon. She was on Celebrity Apprentice, so, you know, we can see the line (laughs) there. Uh, Famously single, X on the Beach, 
mm. and Celebrity Big Brother. So she's made the rounds. I mean, you point as you point out with Celebrity Apprentice, she is connected through reality TV to both Donald Trump Jr. and Avon. And this is the thing to remember with all of our Bachelor people is that they're all part of this vast ecosystem of reality TV alums who ultimately are also connected to Donald Trump. Um, it's dark. It's very bleak. That's true. Uh, I really hope that uh, that Avon does not end up dating someone who had an affair with Donald Trump Jr. I I really want better <laughs> for him. I think he I could really would like someone with him. more discriminating taste. Um, but yeah, I totally just like did not expect to see her in the same frame as one of our one of our recent faves. So that was that was a shock. I think that more and more we've been seeing our like bachelor alums. Like at first it felt like it was sort of like a fraternity or sorority just within the franchise. Like they had these meetups and they'd hang out and then sometimes like they would show clips of those meetups on like The Bachelor or whatever and be like, they all got together and had a good time. But now it's like increasingly they're part of the social network of all reality show people who all want to make connections so they can stay relevant through each other and reach new audiences and build their platforms. And they're just getting savvier about it. Their agents are putting them in touch. Like, they are forming new, like, alliances. Like, all of the Love is Blind girls from the last uh, two seasons ago are, like, friends with a bunch of Bachelor people now. Mm-hmm. It's, they've learned how to, like, forge these Honestly, these it's smart. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you get excited when you realize, like, two movie stars are friends with each other. Mm. There are now enough reality stars of enough generations that they can just start forming those networks in the same way that, like, we've always kind of seen done in Hollywood in, like, yeah. the more traditional segment of the entertainment industry. And we've reached yeah. that point with reality TV. And it's like professional friendship making has has long been a part of the Hollywood scene or e- even, like, professional romance <laughs> creation yes your agent wants you to go out with someone who's in the public eye yeah the showmans and and that's like become such a powerful part of the reality tv like gossip industry now is like they all hang out so that we all have a reason to talk about them again like would i be talking about avon or aubrey o'day if they hadn't certainly literally been in the same place absolutely (laughs) not they're (laughs) manipulating me uh shall we move on yeah we got some we got some like uh big big happy life updates from yeah. from some from some show alums beck and thomas are continuing their march to the altar i am excited for for this wedding for the content of yeah. this wedding every like little update is like they had two proposals and now they have secured their wedding venue good for them uh, Tia Booth had her baby with her fiance Taylor Mock. Tatum Booth Mock was born on December 6th and is very cute. So and cute. I have really been enjoying all of their cute baby content. Yeah. Uh, He's wearing like a lot of good outfits. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't have as much uh cradle cap as I remember certain other babies having at that age uh my child um he's very (laughs) cute um and 
Meanwhile, Cien Fleming from Ari's season got married in Anguilla to her fiance Doug Fillmore. Congrats, Cien. Congrats, Cien. I I had like kind of lost track of her a little bit, and then she like popped up again when she got engaged. And so I I know that he's like in real estate in LA, and it looks very tall. Their wedding photos are really beautiful. They're both. Yeah. Very pretty. Sienna's so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm happy. I'm happy for her. Michelle Money of Brad Womack season and Bachelor Pad is engaged to her boyfriend of seven years, who just so happens to be Canadian PGA golfer Mike Weir, who has like won the Masters. Like he's a he's a like top flight golfer. I think I'd heard his name before, which is saying a lot for a golfer because I do not pay attention. <laughs> so, but yeah, they've been dating for a long time and they are now engaged. Yeah. Congrats to Congrats them. to Michelle. Let's get into some villains and what they've been up to. A lot of villain Hell updates yeah. this December. Tierra Lukowski, now Tierra Lukowski Brown, iconic Bachelor villain from Sean Lowe's season. Iconic. She, I mean, if you if you didn't watch the season or if you don't remember, she was well known for like faking injury like twice or appearing to fake injury like twice to get Sean's attention. She also had very expressive eyebrows. Which she could not control, according to her. And she's like, these girls are going to try to take away my sparkle. And my mama said, like, never let them take away your sparkle. Like, she just had like good lines, good, good plays. Very hateable. <laughs> Sean loved her until abruptly he was like, oh, all of the women hate her. Maybe I shouldn't marry her. And that was what precipitated her exit from the show. Anyway, just time has passed. She got married. And now she and her husband, Tyler Brooks Brown, are expecting their first child. They announced on Congrats, Instagram. Sierra. Look, yeah. there is life after reality TV. It can happen Speaking of franchise <laughs> villains, Luke P, a I will say significantly less amusing villain than Tierra. Yeah. Um, of Hannah Brown season, he is the one that allowed her to scream, I had sex in a windmill and Jesus still loves me. Yeah. He he basically came into the season determined to kind of like have all of her from the beginning or to make her feel really bad about it um, or to leave. And so he his whole arc just involved a lot of guilting her for a lot of Jesus. going on other dates, a lot of Jesus, a lot of, like, I need a pure woman. And ultimately, he left around fantasy suites when he said that if she had had sex with someone else, he would not move forward with her. And she was like, cool, well, I did, so bye. Um, <laughs> and he is now engaged to Jennifer Frudaker, a longtime friend of his. And they posted a joint Instagram announcement. There is a whole carousel of engagement photos of them in like matching clingy white tees and jeans. And it, it is just like a very <laughs> Luke P look. And he has found someone who, who really matches and resembles him in that way. And yeah, she's willing to just like get into the look. And God, get into God, get into God. I have to imagine she was already into God that he was willing to even <laughs> consider her. 
He is now sporting a really square, bushy beard. It's like modern Amish. It's so angular. I'm looking at it right yeah. now, and it it honestly changes the way that his entire face shape. Looks. It looks like he's it's very startling. Protection. <laughs> yeah. I. It looks like he just has the most rectangular head I've ever seen in my life. I think I kind and that's of like a lot it. for Bachelor. I think I kind of like it, and here's why. I don't like his face because I <laughs> I don't like him. And so I yeah. grew to develop very negative associations with seeing his face. And now that more of it is covered, you know. You can dissociate from who he is as a person. <laughs> I no longer like, have that, that major reaction that to his face. Beard. Yeah, I think it was a good move for him. Um, but based on his caption to the announcement, I don't think he's trying to rebrand to make people like me like him more he's he's happy with who he is he's solid in his godly chasteness here's what he wrote i've been on the hunt for a wife parentheses of noble character slash proverbs 31 woman for a while now started to think oh, it was oh, never women. going to ha- sorry oh. women he actually wrote women sorry <laughs> Proverbs 31 women for a while now started to think it was never going to happen. For those who need to hear, because I did, God's timing is perfect. He was on the hunt for a wife of noble character. There are several grammatical errors here that are really I'm not even noticing the grammatical errors because it's just it's just wild to me to post an engagement and to be like, I was hunting. For a wife of noble character, and I finally found one, and I harpooned her, and here she is. <laughs> I found the last Proverbs 31 woman around. <laughs> I found the last Proverbs 31 women around. <laughs> well, you know uh, what? It's very good, on good for them. It's very I on brand. wish for them the best godly life. They seem very happy based on their Instagram post. Other people that I hate that have some good news. Jordan Kimball expecting a baby. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't care. I have. Yes. He I got really, married to a teacher, Christina. Uh, and they are having a baby boy. Great. Bringing another very Trumpy man into the I really the world. never cared for Jordan at all. And then the way that things went down with Jenna, um, really put the nail in the coffin for me. And he's never really addressed it. And the fact that she was vilified and cast out and that he didn't stand behind her or even really listen to her side of things. And then she was vindicated and his love for Donald Trump. So, God, at least Jenna has also moved on and has a beautiful baby and... Everyone is just moving forward with their lives, except for us. I'm still stuck on the past. (laughs) Let's talk about a non-villain alum who has some good news. Mike Johnson went on a couple pods. Uh, Chelsea Vaughn's new podcast, Vulnerable, and also, I think, Clickbait, and discussed the fact that he is no longer single. (gasps) Mike. Oh, Mike. I really want to know who he's in a relationship with, because that that's a lucky woman. It sounds like he's not planning to keep it secret forever. Like, he's planning to eventually go more public with it. He's letting but, it incubate, which, yeah. frankly, is smart. They've been dating for six months. I think they only 
based on what he said on clickbait, I think they only made it official about two months ago. So it's early. Um, and so there's definitely time to to let things solidify before a full launch, a hard launch. Um, but I'm I'm so happy for him. I love I love Mike. And while the dream of Bachelor Mike is drifting further from reality, I think it's clear that The Bachelor was never going to make him Bachelor. I don't know if he would have even said yes at this point after they kind of let him know moments before the fin- the live finale that he wasn't going to be Bachelor. <laughs> I don't know if next time they came calling <sighs> if he would have said yes. So I'm just going to be happy for him and uh, <laughs> let him I, enjoy I am happy life. for him. Look... <laughs> As we know, finding love in the real world often that you can kind of control on your terms often like sets that relationship up for more more success than finding yeah. love on the show. So I just want Mike to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. When you go on the show, you're usually looking at like a year to two year setback in actually finding someone that you can end up with because you're in the relationship off the show. It's rocky. You're dealing with all the press and then you break up and you're like traumatized and everyone has a microscope on you. And so it's not until like two years later that you can actually start like finding someone again. Exactly. So like, why would we want him to put his personal life back two years? I don't know. Selfishness. Congrats to Mike. Uh, We have some Paradise updates. (laughs) Kira and Romeo split up after months of either sharing their second chance at love or like trolling us, which I still am very much leaning towards trolling. Yeah. Kira posted an Instagram story saying sometimes you shouldn't give people a second chance to disappoint you. and saying that they had gone their separate ways. And Romeo shared this with his response, just when I thought I was out, facepalm emoji, two sides to every story. Also on the grid, he posted a portrait of him in a suit. And the next photo is a zoomed in close up of him biting his lip during his infamous dissociated looking BIP exit. And he captioned it, it's been a journey, but it's time to say goodbye to the lip biter hashtag authenticity hashtag growth hashtag change hashtag honesty interesting interesting hashtags there (laughs) is this a little wink to the fact that this was clearly a like a play for attention that like they were not actually dating because this is the fakest seeming relationship gonna say yes but i feel like kira wants to play it like so straight also yes (laughs) I think they are potentially not aligned on (laughs) how they wanted this to go. Um, But, yeah. I (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was always weird how they sort of leaned into it in this way that's like, we're in on the joke. Like, I kidnapped him. Ha ha. Um, But also, we're actually dating. And you kind of, when you have to eventually end the relationship you either have to treat it like you're breaking off a real relationship or you have to kind of finally be like yeah we were just having fun we were just messing with you yeah like we're kind of done with this this was fun yeah the content was funny yeah and you could have done a, a breakup post that was in on the same joke that was just like finally unshackling romeo from my basement or whatever like what it actually makes me think is that they were not in agreement about 
how and when to end it. Mm, yeah. Even if it was not actually like a real committed relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I love Zachary Reality posted <laughs> A video just being like, I was really rooting for this couple more than anyone else in the franchise. Like, he was totally joking, but like no one, like uh, it went over like everyone's head in the comments. They're like, really? He, they didn't seem real at all. He really did seem earnest in that video, to be honest. I mean, it's it's like, just, I'm sorry. It is totally impossible that anyone felt like they were the realest couple to come off of Paradise. No, they're, the, yes, also true. It's just so at odds with all of the evidence in front of us that I I, my guess was sarcasm, which uh, some of his comments also confirmed to me. But yes, Um, I look, I'm just (laughs) I I think it's best for both of them to have a little freedom to move move along. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of moving on. But in this case, moving on together, Brandon and Serene moved in together last month. They are now in San Diego. And Serene is leaving teaching to pursue the field she got her degree in, journalism and communications. Hell yeah, baby. Welcome Welcome to the club. Welcome. Start a podcast about The Bachelor. (laughs) I don't have a degree (laughs) in journalism. There aren't enough. There are not enough. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that for people who come on the show from a job like, nursing or teaching there is a lot of expectation that you will like validate that you're the person that the fans thought you were by staying in that field i think with teaching it's especially hard because it's really not a flexible job like if you're teaching you're in the classroom every day for most of the year and if you want to have any kind of public profile which you do if you go on this show you it's can't really hard. do both. And Ma- Michelle clearly, like, almost had a breakdown <laughs> trying to do that. And I'm glad also, that Serena is just, like, going for it. I agree. And I also just want to say that, like, healthcare and teaching have been two of the jobs that have been the most difficult yeah. to go through in the midst of a pandemic. And, like, anyone in either of those fields who says I am burnt out and I would like to take a step back for any reason, I respect that. And yeah, like don't shit on people for like, they, they aren't our martyrs. You know, it's been an incredibly hard time to be a teacher or, or a healthcare worker. Um, I think nurses are on strike right now at two hospitals in New York and, I think we're going to see more of of that kind of pushback as, yeah, as these with good reason. people are fleeing the fields and they don't all get to go on The Bachelor first and get a, a pathway into a new career. So we're very happy for Serene and Brandon and just looking forward to following their, their sweet content together. Me too. I'm so into Serene and Brandon and also into... Danielle and Michael, who are still going strong. Danielle is moving to Ohio soon. They were posting videos over the holidays of them checking out apartments, um, finding finding a place. Like, she's sort of settling, I think, a lease and um, moving her job. She is a nurse um, to, to Ohio. They also had a fun little news, New Year's Eve in Chicago in which they were hanging out with 
Kate Steinberg mm. and Chad Savage, who uh, were the final couple on the first season of The 12 Dates of Christmas, and they are it. still together. I love them. The fact that you can go on I a show them. as deranged as The 12 Dates of Christmas. And that, like, very few people watched. Very few people watched. It was such, like, a high-concept, weird show. I and loved it. <laughs> they ended up just, like, in this very solid, committed relationship from that. I mean... And also, Kate is now, like, a TikTok star because she does a lot of, like, millennial TikTok (laughs) And Chad has a watch line. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I love them. They seem adorable. And I like that they're friends with Danielle and Michael. This is just more of that crossover (laughs) content that I crave. Yeah, I love that they're, like, making inroads into the Bachelor community. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about Chris Harrison's new podcast. Can you keep up? Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. (laughs) So important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Springtime vibes are in the air, and when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out. You won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space. And even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer, Talon, has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan, and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. 
You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quinn's cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quinn's only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash L-T-S-I. And we are back. And let me tell you, I did not go into 2023 being like, what I want to do is talk more about Chris Harrison. And yeah, well, Chris Harrison begs to differ. Chris Harrison <laughs> yeah. definitely thinks that you are so excited to talk about Chris Harrison more in 2023. Well, this is probably my play for clickbait because... Yeah. Why would we ever criticize Chris Harrison unless it was a fundamentally evil, selfish ploy in order to boost our own profiles? Yeah, we're like lampreys. We're just parasites <laughs> on him. And we're just reveling in this. We smell blood in the water. And we're just like, let's go after Chris. This will be so fun. Uh, so for those who haven't heard, Chris Harrison is starting has started a podcast with iHeartRadio called The Most Dramatic Podcast Ever with Chris Harrison. Brilliant. It is a a nod at The Bachelor, but clearly not something The Bachelor has copyrighted, so he can just use it and be like, remember me? I was that guy on The Bachelor. I think that's the best part of this podcast. That's where... Yeah. I don't don't like it as a name. I just like how petty it is to, like, find the most evocative of The Bachelor thing that he can, that that they haven't copyrighted, that he can use. He is executive producing it along with his fiancé, entertainment reporter, Lauren Zima, and their company. Lauren Zima. Lauren Zima. I would never not say Lauren Zima. And their company, Next Chapter Productions. So iHeart put out a press release explaining what the show would be about, which still left me and still leaves me quite confused. Quote, fans can expect to hear Chris open up like never before using his unparalleled expertise. On what? what? (laughs) He will dig into all things relationships every week. Fans will no longer just be going along for the ride. They'll be up close and personal with Chris as he navigates through dating, marriage, love, loss, and more. For the first time ever, Chris will discuss everything, and there's no telling what he'll have to say. I... I don't need relationship advice from Chris Harrison. Just going right. to put that out there. I don't I don't also really understand like is it an advice show? Is it going to be him talking, talking about, about his own dating and marriage? marriage? His own or is he going to be taking callers? Is he going to be interviewing people about Extremely unclear because the t- first two episodes which we did because we are so dedicated 
to you, our audience, we did listen to both hour-long episodes that dropped this morning. (laughs) Felt longer. (laughs) Felt seven years long. Um, We did listen to those episodes. And then apparently the third episode is just like random people calling with comments about Chris and their feelings. Oh, no. So I'm unclear on, you know, what the show as a whole is going to be. Because so far, these first three episodes seem like one-and-dones. Right. They're really setting it up as, like, we wanted to do a podcast so Chris could finally talk about his feelings about everything that happened. And then we'll just, like, think of something else to do when that's over, when that well is dry. Maybe they have it all planned out, but it is... As much as I do think people, like, that is the draw of the show, is, like, what does Chris Harrison really think? He's never spoken publicly. It also doesn't give you a good introduction to an ongoing weekly show to do it just as content that it does not reflect what the rest of the show is going to be. There almost should have been an intro episode that was, like, here's the concept, and then, like, a special episode if, like, Chris speaks. Which is what makes it feel like they haven't figured out what the concept is yet. (laughs) I imagine they have, because they have to start releasing those other episodes pretty soon. Um, But it creates this this feeling of aimlessness. Like, he is a... He is a... He's been in TV for a long time. Lauren is a big-time reporter. It feels weirdly amateurish to start it this way. Like with that little of a blueprint for what's coming or, like, a clear sense of what the show actually is. It feels like when a Bachelor contestant starts a podcast and their first episode is just, like, here's how I feel about what went down with my ex or whatever. And it's like, okay, so, like, what is the show? Or did you just know that you could do a podcast now and so you just started one and you're just going to see what happens? Chris also has a lot of disdain for podcasts and podcasters. But he also is, like... I am a podcaster and I do have a podcast now. There's a lot of conflict within him. Yeah. No, he's clear. I get it. It's hard to suddenly find yourself (laughs) in the midst of a, you know, relying on a medium you disdain. Um, They released a trailer. (laughs) The most appalling part of the trailer was that the audio quality was abysmal. And I was like, really? I was worried. Is this this what we're going to get? They did fix it. They did fix it. He kept, like, bumping into things and moving away from the the mic. And I was like, wow, I didn't know anyone could be worse than me at staying the right distance from the mic. But no, they (laughs) fixed it before the first two episodes. So in these episodes, especially the first of the two-parter, he is basically just sharing his feelings for the first time about the controversy that led to him leaving The Bachelor. Um, He's never really talked about it publicly. For those who have forgotten, what happened is that photos came out of Rachel Kirkconnell, the winner of that season of The Bachelor, at uh, an antebellum ball event, sort of a racist plantation ball uh, in costume. And... It was a big, you know, controversy. She was dating the first Black Bachelor on the show. Um, She was participating in this racist tradition in these photos that had only happened a couple years before the show was airing. And so it was very fresh. And people were were quite critical of her and the show for casting her. At this time, also, I want to say that, like, Rachel had basically been told not to speak, not to comment at all about it. So her feelings 
about it, which ended up being, I will say, quite different from what Chris expressed, like, on her behalf yeah. in this interview we're talking about. Um, those were not public at the time. Yeah. And so he was sent <laughs> sent out uh, to defend the franchise and, I guess, Rachel uh, Kirkconnell in an interview with Rachel Lindsay, who's a host on Extra. And <laughs> in the interview... It just went very poorly. You know, he was defending Rachel in terms that were pretty offensive, you know, saying that things were different back when the photos were taken in 2018, that, like, they weren't seen as offensive then. He was, you know, making very dismissive comments about the severity of what was depicted. And to Rachel Lindsay, the the show's first Black bachelorette, who is very educated on these issues and very outspoken. And she was being very professional with him, but also pressing him on some of these things. And he was very dismissive of her and and her reactions, sort of treated her any criticisms that she conveyed as just sort of bad faith and unfair to like this poor young woman and tried to sort of cloak himself and like, oh, well, you and I, Rachel, we're friends. We understand each other on this. And Rachel Lindsay was like, what? <laughs> I'm not co-signing this. So after the interview, she was kind of open about the fact that she felt like he was talking over her and was dismissive of her. And a lot of fans and a lot of recappers, yes. media critics, us included, were very offended and very angry watching this interview. And this became part of a larger conversation, which had been brewing for a long time, about the ingrained racism of the Bachelor franchise. And, you know, a lot of alums started kind of speaking up and and uh, distancing themselves from Chris and also expressing a lot of people of color who had been on the show began expressing their discomfort with you know, appearing on, say, Bachelor in Paradise with a man who held these views, hosting and kind of ushering them through that journey. And so ultimately, after posting what I thought was a very lackluster public apology um, and this not blowing over, he was kind of pushed to resign from the show. He was given a very handsome payout as a result. Yeah. Uh, and he went away for a little bit. Yeah. And so important to note also, um, this will again and again seem relevant as we talk about his podcast on her podcast, Higher Learning. And she said it multiple times, I think. Yes. Um, Rachel has said that she hasn't heard from Chris since that conversation uh, directly, that after he apologized publicly and she sort of spoke out and was like, let's accept the apology and move on. He unfollowed her on Instagram. They haven't been in touch since. And she says, like, I wouldn't go on his podcast. It would feel disingenuous for him to try to have me on at this point. But if he wants to talk, he can come on on my podcast. I I would be surprised to see him doing that if he hasn't been able to reach out to her in private for two He's years. He's absolutely disinterested. And it's very clear listening to the podcast that these podcast episodes are for the subset of The Bachelor audience that believes Chris was done a, a big wrong. Oh, yeah. 
he talks to the audience like, this is for you, all of you who I love and you love me. And we talk to each other. We always have. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I'm like, Chris, the first time we spoke to you, you very dismissively told us that if we thought the show was pitting women against each other, that was a problem with us. And we probably hated women. So, yeah, yeah no, we've never really had that that relationship with you, I bud. feel like he thinks that when he is on screen being like, Bachelor Nation, like, welcome to the most dramatic... That's him, like, having a conversation with us and we're friends. And I don't really see TV hosting that way. <laughs> um, but that is how he appears to have envisaged it in his mind. So the podcast dropped this morning, uh, the morning we're taping, January 9th. And <laughs> we... We rushed to listen to it um, so that hopefully you won't have to listen to it. This is truly the most self-indulgent bullshit I have ever consumed. And I can't believe there were two episodes of it. Well, one episode was just to rehash all the same stuff, but with Lauren Zima there so that he could be like, and Lauren Zima, you were my rock through all of it. And she could be like, well, Chris... I know that's not who you really are. And that's what was so hard. And it's just kind of content-wise the same stuff as as the first 45 minutes. Um, also, it's so <laughs> clear that he signed um, a, a very, a very tight contract with The Bachelor, obviously, for his exit. Because, again, they paid him millions yeah, of dollars. They didn't pay him millions <laughs> of dollars so he could sit down and, like, rip them all spill the tea spill the tea so So he barely says anything like he does not get into how that interview came about he doesn't give you any new information except that he's ashamed he didn't fight harder for himself (laughs) yeah (laughs) no there's no information it's all just like his emotional reaction to everything that happened All the reflecting he's done is truly self-centered. He does not say one thing about racism. He does not use the word racism. He does not mention Rachel Lindsay. He, like, has not done any reflecting or learning within the area of which he was called out. And, like, he just does not make the connection that things that he did led to the fact that he had to leave the show. He's like, I made a mistake, sure. And then I was cruelly pushed out by cancel culture. I would say that without fully standing behind what he said in that interview, again, like you say, he does make the statement, yeah, oh, I misstepped, I made a mistake, what I said didn't reflect how I really feel. He's not doing the thing where he comes out and is like, I'm red-pilled now, everything I said was right, and that's fine. But he doesn't really want to engage with what was wrong with it or whether it might have reflected anything deeper about himself and or the franchise. He's just like, well, that was a mistake, but what I really want to talk about is how bad I feel for myself and how hard that was (laughs) for me and how that's not who I am in my heart. I'm... Just like someone who leads with love, and I am a bit of an empath, actually. He literally says he's a bit of an empath. (laughs) He also was raised to always do what's right. And that's just who he is. He always does what's right. And that's so simple. That's the thing. Doing what's right is always this really simple thing, that you just do the right thing. And then no one can ever come after you because you just did the right thing. 
I always think like what kind of life you must lead to think that doing the right thing is necessarily a simple thing when the world is so complicated and full of right. It really, it really reminds me of um, that episode of The Good Place where mm-hmm. they find the man who is like jumping through all of these hoops to try to never do something that has a negative impact. And they sort of discover like the, the virtual impossibility of it yeah. and like all the ways in which whatever you do might might cause harm whether or not it's intentional. And like Chris can't really wrap his mind around that. He he sort of dances, he acknowledges like clearly I made I made some people feel bad. He yeah. does sort of the like I'm so sorry if you felt that way. Yeah. I just want to wrap my arms around you and be like I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that if I hurt you and made you feel like excluded or whatever. And but I also I'm ashamed that I didn't let more people defend me. Oh yeah, he's very very uh, upset and ashamed that he didn't let people defend him. Um and it's wild to me that he keeps saying that he just so desperately wanted to apologize and make things right because he could very easily I think have reached out privately to at least one person Without yes. it being speaking publicly and adding fuel to anything, he could have privately reached out to Rachel and apologized, and he never did it. So if it was so hard for you, if you're so desperate to apologize, why didn't you? No one was no, stopping you. No, what he you. wanted was to apologize publicly in a way that people would accept and thus move on. Yeah. And he, it was fascinating to me because he kind of says this explicitly. Oh, yeah, that part he was... He says, Oof. apologies didn't matter. I've never seen a time like that. I've never known that not to work. And that language not to is work. so telling. He's like, I did it. I said I'm sorry, and it just, like, didn't fix anything. Like, that usually works for me. People have yeah. to move on because I said I'm sorry. Yeah. I... Listen, we... we we podcast too, Chris. We're also in the public eye um, in the same way now because we're all just podcasters. We've messed up. It's very uncomfortable yes. to feel like nothing I can say will make what happened okay. Better. Um, but one thing that you can't do that I try not to do is to think that like just making an apology means anyone owes me forgiveness right like that is what you should do because yes you should if you make a mistake publicly you should confront it publicly but you are not owed absolution as a result of that right because then that's like oh the apology didn't work he's like the apology was a tool right the job it was supposed to accomplish was forgiveness for me and also that makes me feel like then your apology wasn't even sincere because if you give an apology with the expectation of some sort of some sort of specific reaction or some sort of like material reward with his job as a result then then that apology is not grounded in an actual accounting for what you did and he says that very explicitly yeah. in this podcast yeah and and kind of attributes it to what was going on yes. in that moment which this did happen during a time when conversations around Black Lives Matter and racism were very prominent in, 
you know, the media and in the public eye. There were protests happening um, in the streets. There, there were a lot of conversations about racism in different industries and what could be done about it. And for him, it's like, oh, well, this was bad timing for me to fuck up and be racist at this point. Like, it was it was combustible. And I I just got swept up in that. He, sa- he says, you know, I made my apology. It didn't work. We were still at ground zero. It was confusing. It was scary. Um, it just... There's still no, like, understanding of what it's like for people who aren't you, Chris, like, powerful white men, to be caught up in these industries where there usually isn't grace, where there usually isn't forgiveness, where there isn't this desire to, like, make things work out for exactly. you. Like, there's no understanding that, that that this is a very... There's so much concern for his feelings and the trauma he endured and the pain and the suffering and the death threats. And it's like, you know who else got a lot of death threats after this? Rachel Lindsay. <laughs> and she didn't get, a, like, a $10 million payout from this. It's just, look, so, you are allowed to be privately, to privately feel sorry for yourself when you're going, or, like, feel shame or whatever. But but this, like, coming out as though he's like, I've been deprived of my voice for so long, and here I am ready to speak my truth, and my truth is I'm the real victim here. It, yeah. It's just wild. The ways that he tries to, like, paint himself as... As the victim, (sighs) like, he tells this one, he starts talking about how all of these people started capitalizing on this and fueling it and trying to, like, you know, make money off of talking about him on their podcasts. And hi, Chris. (laughs) And also, like, trying to get his job. And he's he tells a story about a former bachelorette asking they were in the room with producers, I guess, asking to host the next Bachelorette right in front of him. And he's like, hey, I'm right here. That's my job. That's how I pay my mortgage. I'm like, dude, if you have a mortgage to pay after the millions you've made off this show, that's on you. Like, I would have paid off a house by now. Yeah, he really could just do one of those all-cash offers we see on Selling Sunset. He probably did. I'm like, do you actually have a mortgage? It's just so, like, I'm just like earth. Bachelor fans of Middle America. I have to worry about my mortgage payments. Claire did send me a link. Meanwhile, he's doing a spread in, like, an Austin Lifestyle magazine about his beautiful new custom home with a wine room with Lauren Zima. And he's, like, worried about how he's going to pay his mortgage because Caitlin Bristow might get to host The Bachelorette. Come on. Oh, my God. He also does, like, a nice little dig at people who, like, deigned to have a conversation with the network about the job after he was fired. Um, I think, like, Wells and Nick Vile. And though he also also praises Wells and a little bit Nick. But he's clearly, like, he clearly has this well of resentment in him that anyone he's bitter but he doesn't want to be on the outside right but he's clearly bitter that people deigned to even have a conversation about maybe getting a job which was vacant like come on man he's like oh it's just so unique the situation i'm in where i am creating 25 to 30 people who want to host my show every season He's a victim. He did it. He created them. He created them, but also 
he had virtually no power in this show. He did not edit the show. He did I not make that- any choices. <laughs> he did, however, oh, create yeah. influencers and future hosts who are trying to take his job. Yeah, they should just be grateful and they should all stand up and say, I am Chris Harrison and I will not host this show because I am he and he is me and we are one. That's what they should have done. It's ludicrous. He also seems to really paint himself (sighs) as the victim of Bachelor alums who were critical about his like pretty overt racism. Like, oh, like if you're criticizing him, that's just your 15 minutes of fame. That's just you using him on your book tours, which to me does feel like a dig at, like, Matt James and Rachel Lindsay. Yeah, primarily Bachelor yeah. ones of color who spoke out about the racism of the franchise and and issues they faced. And, like, the way that, like, he feels aggrieved that that people who were on the show wanted to talk about this publicly because they're just using it to get more famous. But... He was on a show where his own fame and the show's fame was built on the humiliations yeah. of contestants who were unpaid and really had nothing, got nothing out of the show unless they fought like hell to build a brand off of it. And he benefited from that. He benefited from going out there and backing up the show's narrative on like, this is the villain. This is the mean girl. And, you know, sometimes those people sucked, I'm sure. But like you were benefiting from furthering a public narrative about how much they sucked. And so was The Bachelor. You are in that. So, like, you don't like being on the wrong end of that, I'm sure. But at least, again, at least you got a huge payout directly from the show, which none of these people got. (sighs) It's, yeah. And, yeah, and the fact that he keeps being like, I didn't have any control over the show. And I'm like, okay, but you were an executive producer. And he also keeps talking about how like, he he built this. He created all of the monsters that came out of it. And yet he had no power. It's just those yeah. those things are contradictory. Yeah. He can't decide whether he was, like, so important to the show and pouring everything into it or whether he was just a cog. Oh, he also was like, machine. yeah, I have been keeping an eye on the dropping ratings and... You know, I... Yeah, and it makes me so but sad. But also, you know, I mean, scorecards. <laughs> it does not Also, my dude, there were a lot of things that go into declining ratings of The Bachelor that have fucking nothing to do with you. First of all, those ratings yeah. are, like, have not really evolved to include, like, streaming. There's more content now. Shows overall on networks have been dropping in ratings. Also, there's other reality shows that were created that feel more current, than The Bachelor. Like, this has nothing to do with you. Also, I'm sure that there are people who stopped watching the show because he left and because of everything that happened. Of course, people stop watching all the time. And we support you. (laughs) And we support you. And the thing is that I think it was inevitable. I think that some people were going to stop watching the show based on how The Bachelor franchise handled this. And I actually think that probably people on both sides left after what happened because it was such yes. a shit show. I think the people left because they're like, the show is too racist to support. I think some people left because they're like, I miss Chris Harrison and cancel culture is so terrible. The problem is not that you are so important to the show, Chris. It's that the show's audience is polarized in this way and the show hasn't been able to figure out how to make everyone happy. And you're just like one symptom right. of that. And that was going to be an issue for the show. Um, but it's not because you have, like, the special sauce or something. I, listen, I also, like, the thing that really 
I didn't expect to happen, but it still made me mad that it didn't happen, is that he didn't really address at all the fact that this wasn't a one-off. That, like, he has a history of making troubling comments about racism on the show, about sexism on the show, about fatness on the show. No, instead he's like, he acts as though this was the only thing he ever did that caused any harm. Yeah, exactly. And, (laughs) like, there was a whole conversation that happened after this interview, and that people had been talking about in the past, about how he did have a history of talking about, you know, oh, people are always asking if we could ever have a Black Bachelor, but, like, we don't want, you know, the show's ratings to plummet, and, like, we need to have an actually good Bachelor lead and not just a Black one. You know, he was, he was whenever he was asked about sensitive topics Terrible on answers the show, all around. Terrible answers. Always put his foot in his mouth. And... So it wasn't surprising, actually, that he acted like a fool in this interview. It was of a piece with his past statements on similar issues. And he just doesn't get into that. He's like, I've always just wrapped everyone in love and acceptance. And then this one time, I, like, kind of fucked up because I was so tired. And (laughs) people are mad. And I don't know why. And it's like, that's just clearly come through that that is your attitude in in so many of your past interviews about the show. Uh, There's just no... There, it seems like there was a lot of, he feels that there was a lot of self-flagellation and I felt so guilty about what happened. But if there was, it was around being like, I misspoke. I didn't present my true self well. And not a lot of reckoning with like, do I have some deeper work to do on how I think about these things? Certainly that work, none of that work has happened. He also talks about the fact that there was a response to the announcement of his podcast and is like, sure, yeah, I guess people have things to say about it. I'm like, dude, you dropped a trailer that's meant to elicit conversation. That's the point of a trailer. Um, And he's like, you know, there are people, good people like Ashley and Ben, because they're good people. (laughs) Who expressed excitement <laughs> about my podcast because they're they're good people and they know that that it's not clickbait to praise me. Everyone else, no, anyone who criticized me, that is just that is exploitative clickbait. <laughs> I agree. I think that our fans are good people and our critics are just doing <laughs> clickbait. I think that everyone feels that way if they're being totally honest with themselves. But maybe they shouldn't like talk maybe about it. Maybe don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kidding. I take our critics very seriously, and I spend a lot of time in therapy on it. Um, but it was just so obvious that, yeah, he doesn't feel comfortable taking of any kind from anyone. On board. Yeah. I get that, like, getting a huge wave, and it was. It was a huge media firestorm. It's hard to metabolize all that, but it's been, like, That's a while. Thing. That's it's the been thing. A we, while. Have a, we do have empathy for the way that, like, the internet ecosystem works. And we've talked a lot about how people don't really have the capacity to, yeah, process that level of of feedback from so many sources. But he has had like two years to process this and think about it. And the things that he came away with are, I am the victim. I should have let more people more loudly defend me. And what I said, which was insensitive and um, not racism because he never uses the word racism. Like, that just does simply not. doesn't define me and it's actually your fault if you think 
if you think that oh, yeah. it does. He says, if this if this doesn't define me and if it defines me to you, that's on you. That's not on me. This appears to be a consistent. Yeah, this is what he said to us about mind sexism. Trick that he does. Yeah. This is when we asked him a question at HuffPost Live about whether the two Bachelorette season was pitting women against each other. He said that people who are upset were upset because, quote, it's probably an issue you have with yourself or with other women. So he's very, that is the way that his brain goes. That's where it goes. It's just like, if you're upset at at me about this uh, thing, then it's probably because you're projecting and you're actually the one with the issue. I'm fine. I didn't do anything wrong. It must be a very peaceful way to live. (laughs) I think it, I think he is frankly full of peace in his custom giant dual desk, steel desk office with. Lauren Zima, the love of his life. Yeah, the love of his life, Lauren Zima, or as he apparently calls her, LZ. That's basically the only information I really learned from listening to two hours of Chris's podcast. (laughs) She seems very tickled that he always calls her Lauren Zima. She's like, please say my entire name. Oh, I also learned that she's not changing her last name, which, frankly, it's the most progressive thing about Chris that he's like... Not. <laughs> I mean, he's willing, he's willing to, to allow, allow her. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, the Lauren Zima segment of of this involved a little bit more of Lauren Zima talking about how hard it was to end her recap show uh, about The Bachelor because this happened, and how upset she was that Chris uh, misspoke so much in this interview and did not present his true heart. And led to all this happening. But you know what? They're just more in love and stronger than ever. Oh, oh, also, Chris has one Jewish grandmother. This enraged me. (laughs) He starts to quote, he's like, as my late grandmother said, my late grandmother, my late Jewish grandmother, Mimi. Like, Chris, what are you doing with that? What the word Jewish is doing a lot of work for you right here. And as a Jew, I really fucking resent that. And it's really weird. There was no need for it to be brought into it. Like, it did not add anything. He was just saying, like, a platitude that his grandmother always yeah. said. It wasn't like a Jewish proverb. Nothing to do with Judaism. <laughs> it was just some grandmotherly he, advice. It really felt like he was trying to be like, oh, you thought I was pure white Southern, which is what he he does say that he's a Southern boy, like, many times. He's like, oh, one of my grandparents was Jewish. So don't you feel bad? Don't you feel bad now for thinking that you misunderstood? Like, sir, all of your children are going to Texas Christian University. Like, I, the, the, you don't get to claim Judaism. No. He's he's like, uh, oh my God. He's like uh, Representative Santos. He's like, <laughs> yeah. he didn't say I was Jewish. I said I was Jewish. He's like, I just said that. Uh, my family members escaped the Holocaust. No, that wasn't Chris. That was Santos. <laughs> oh and that was a lie. Um, but um, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Uh, rough. Stuck rough, in my craw. Uh, rough that. episode for the Jews. Yeah. Well, I don't think that we need to devote no. any more time to this. I We really don't want to even give more air to it, except that I do think there's curiosity about what he would say. And I will say, I don't recommend don't you to have to. Yeah, listen. I do not recommend anyone. It's not listening it. or giving it's really just ratings. Very repetitive, feeling sorry for himself about cancel culture. 
pretty much beginning to end. So there you go. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the promos for Zach Shalcross's season of The Bachelor. Can you keep up? I like If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, <laughs> turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. And we're ready to strap in, buckle up, strap on the old knapsack for Zach Shalcross's season. I don't know why I'm turning this into some sort of road trip (laughs) metaphor. It feels like a road trip. We really have. It's going to (laughs) be such a long road trip. It's like going to be like a road trip that I used to take a lot uh, from the top of Indiana into Kentucky to visit my grandma. The most boring road trip. (laughs) It's just all flatlands. (laughs) It's just all flatlands. (laughs) Uh, So promos of Zach's Bachelor season have begun to trickle out. Of course, we're just two weeks away from the premiere, so they're trying to get us excited. They love to brand a bachelor. 
I think that this is more important for bachelors because they typically pick a guy who's like super bland and no one is excited about yes. him. So they have to give him like a little nickname. Like or there's something. a thing about him. He Zach yeah. has something. Maybe not a personality, but something. We remember Prince Farming for Chris. Honestly, Souls. that was remember- that was a good one. We remember Pilot Pete. We remember that Clayton was like the underdog. And that caused its own controversy, of course, because Rodney was the underdog that we wanted. Zach, I couldn't even begin to think what they would think of for Zach. And they didn't really come up with much. They didn't seem to know either. They they didn't know either. Zach is Mr. Right Reasons. Like, okay, man. Here's I the guess. thing. Here's the thing. That's like... The baseline. Like, aren't they all just supposed to be there for the right reasons? It's just like Mr. Bachelor contestant. Like, well, frankly, that is a really accurate branding for Zach. He is just <laughs> Mr. Bachelor contestant. Mr. Bachelorette contestant. <laughs> just like a guy. He's a guy. He's just a man. He's just a man out here trying to date some women and that's about all I have to say about him yeah it's really like having the brand be like nice guy TM like that is the baseline expectation for this role is that he's here for the right reasons or that he's nice and now you're telling me that's that's his big thing like is there anything else other than he meets the most no. the most low bar qualification for being on the franchise at all. Also, I'm like, were your other bachelors not there for the right reasons? You always say that they're there for the right reasons. So what he's makes just him he has different? extra right reasons, Claire. Yeah. More right reasons. He's the right reasonsiest <laughs> guy. <laughs> he doesn't even know there are cameras there. He's just so desperate to date. And they were like, come, we have dates over here. And he was like, great. Looks like a great opportunity to meet my wife. Is this for TV? And they're like, no, no. And he's <laughs> Y'all, like, cool. I, I cannot get it up for this season. I'm going to try. I know. But I'm, I'm really struggling. struggling. I'm like, can we just talk about more rom-coms on this podcast? Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, there's... Listen, we're gonna... I'm gonna get into it as yes. soon as we meet the women. That's the, that's thing. the thing. I, I need some characters I can connect to, and that's just not gonna be Zach for me. Unless something really it's changes. It's not gonna be Zach. They try, you know, they find his angles in this little teaser. They get... They have him wink at the camera. He looks... He looks handsome. Sure. They're, they're working the he's handsome angle. But, like, ugh, Yeah, I don't feel it. Then we get a more extensive promo when we see some bits of the season. In another promo, we see that there are more women coming on a date. You know, classic moment, more women. And out walks Victoria Fuller and also Courtney Robertson and Taj Wan. I think that, in like that they are trio. there <laughs> like to lead a date. Well, Victoria and Courtney Clearly. are off the market. So they're obviously not there to date. Tajwan could be there to participate. Could be. No, I could I could see them sort of spinning that out and like drawing Tajwan into the show more the season more largely in some way. Um, but yeah, it seems like they Obviously, Courtney Robertson, who is, like, married, is yeah, not there. Yeah, and Victoria, who is very happy with Greg. Like, they're not trying to date Zach. Yeah. 
<laughs> Courtney Robertson. No, they're not there like, to date Zach. I gotta leave my husband for this 25-year-old. He's so there for the right reasons, though. How could you not? Courtney Robertson would keep Le- Zach alive. Yeah. There would be nothing left. <laughs> Can you imagine Courtney Robertson on his season? She would demolish it just, him. It makes me laugh. It's an interesting assortment, though, because with when I saw Victoria and Courtney, I was like, oh, are they bringing in, like, a trio of, like, power villains from past seasons? But then Tajwan is, like, not a power villain. So it's like they have this duo of power villains and then Taj, who is, like, a whole different kind of character from the show. So I'm like, what's the angle? Yeah, who knows what they're doing? But you know what? Let's get some familiar faces. Let's we'll cause some chaos. Zach is going to need it. I love seeing Courtney back on the screen. Also, later in this promo... One woman says that if she doesn't get a rose, she will burn the house down. It looks like Kat, who was the one who was doing a very bad bit during oh God, the I, I had like, live yeah, first impressions. So it seems like she's definitely going to go in as like a wacky character, as it seemed when we first met her. Should be fun. Lots of crying. Jesse has apparently said that this was the most emotional oh, season no, he's Jesse. hosted. I'm, I'm always scared that that means... Uh, it's going to be traumatic for us to recap. <laughs> it will probably. Why do they like, do they've this? Already been so emotional. Guys. How can it be more emotional? The last season what that about he joy? hosted. What about fun? Ended with like Rachel sobbing on the stairs for hours. Like how much more emotional can we? Can, can it we be? just have some fun? Like this man is so boring. Just yeah. have some fun. They need to start having in mind. Like we want to do a promo where we're like. This is the most fun season. They're just, I've ever I don't know hosted. what they're doing. This is the most romantic season I've ever hosted. How about that crazy idea? It's always like, this is the most dramatic. This is the most emotional. This they're is like, the most I don't care to see more tears. This is the I've seen you enough. Therapy. I've seen enough emotional drama. I just want to see some fun, some goofiness. Give me some bloopers. Give me some good old romance that does not involve someone yes. suffering to the edge of their fucking sanity. I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, I'm, I know, I'm not, that makes me less excited, but (laughs) we'll see. We, we're going to be there for every step of the way. I am excited to get into the cast. The cast bios are out and we are going to do a dedicated episode to those bios. Do not worry. It is coming. Yeah. Next week, gird your loins. We missed, I mean, Jesse Palmer announced the full cast in a TikTok live, which I missed. I thought I'd be able to watch a replay like I did last time, but they didn't save it. Probably because there were too many tech issues the first time they did it. And they were like, we can't. (laughs) They just gave up. Yeah, apparently they, the audio was cutting in and out constantly. No one could hear anything that Jesse was saying. (laughs) It went on for like 15 minutes and then they finally cut the feed and restarted it. And it went more successfully um so full of regret that i missed this um but we will be getting into the the abc.com cast bios yes we will and the two victorias that uh apparently are the only double name this season i think so lots to unpack nice and easy for us i know i didn't realize that victoria had such a I feel like 22 or 20 to 26 years ago, Victoria must have been very popular. We're starting to see the the Victoria boom <laughs> on on The Bachelor. I can't wait until it's all like Isabella's that that's how that's going to be a real generation. Oh, yeah. Marker. 
Well, just wait. So I feel like around 10 years ago, everyone started getting named Isabella. So we're probably getting close. They can start coming on The Bachelor soon. <laughs> soon. <laughs> Unsettlingly soon. Well, I, I don't think I have anything else to say about Zach's season. Me either. Oh, should we wrap up this episode here? Honestly, I've had a great time. I have I really yeah. feel like this was a cathartic experience for me and my rage. And that's what I want yeah. from a podcast because I am just trying to provide some clickbait like the horrible person yeah. I am. I'm ready to get my direct <laughs> payments for talking about Chris Harrison in a negative way. Yeah, make out your um, checks too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm excited to to get into a new a new 2023 of of Bachelor refreshed after Yeah, the bring in the ladies. And- Let's I hope that they I hope that they had a fun time in Zach's orbit. Um, And I'm excited to talk about all of them (laughs) next week. And on that note, that is it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Talon Stradley. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please remember to follow, rate us five stars, and leave a review. And of course, tell all your friends about our show. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clarinemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at clarinemmapod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clarinemma.substack.com. We just put out an episode about season two of White Lotus. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to break down the cast bios for Zach's Bachelor season. Can you keep up? I like love it. Stitcher. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.